the one doesn't exist. It's like, mm-hmm. we're not penguins. I don't think we're meant to mate for life. I think there's a lot of people that can come into your life that can be a major contribution and a hell of a lot of fun to hang out with. But you need to get really clear on what it is that works for you, not what's working for your friends, what works for you. You are such a This is your Such a Catch. I'm Erin, and today I have not only one, but two relationship experts who are going to come on, drop a little knowledge, and expand our horizons on how we view relationships. Before we dive into that, I want to ask you, have you ever heard the term creationship before? If you're like me, you haven't. I've heard of situationship, but not creationship until I met Simone Millicis and Brendan Watt. So Simone and Brendan were actually in a relationship together for eight years, okay, eight years. And their view, what they created together, this creationship, they wanted to learn how to create a relationship in a different way. So what they decided to do is each morning when they woke up is to ask themselves, do I want to be in this relationship? If the answer was yes, then they would ask themselves the next question, which is, what can we create together today? So this episode is about redefining how we view relationships and understanding that we don't have to fit into a mold. We don't have to follow the formula that society tells us. Or maybe, you know, our parents did it a certain way and so we feel like we have to do it a certain way. Our reality doesn't have to be necessarily based solely upon our experience or what we know. We have the ability to create a relationship, a creationship that works for us. We have the ability to honor the people that we choose to be with. And if we're not in a relationship right now, maybe we don't want one. Maybe we think we should have one, but maybe we don't really want one. Maybe our subconscious is trying to tell us something. I really clung to Simone and Brendan's story because it does dispel the myth that once you date somebody and you break up, You have to go your separate ways. You can't communicate. It's unhealthy. All those things we kind of see and hear, and maybe that's also based upon our own experience. Simone and Brendan's relationship is so interesting because after eight years, when they decided to go their separate ways, they were able to do it amicably, which is kind of unheard of in this day and age. Society and culture really tells you that you shouldn't be friends with your exes, that it's not possible, and they basically defied that rule. And not only did they do that, but they decided that they had created their relationship based on these principles, the five elements of intimacy. And they wanted to share that with the world. They wanted to help others create positive, uplifting relationships, creationships, if you will. So tune in to listen to Simone and Brendan tell their story, give their perspective. And I must say, they talk a lot about fairy tales and how we need to dispel the myth of a fairy tale. And I've talked about this too. You know, we grow up watching Disney movies, you know, then as you get older, you're watching, you know, these reality TV shows like The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, and you see this picture of what romance is and it's not really reality. 
So Simone and Brendan, in my eyes, are kind of like a fairy tale. I had the ability to chat with them separate of one another. And as I'm hearing them talk about the other person, I am like rooting for them as a couple. Like it was very odd <laughs> that it was just my natural reaction. I'm like seeing the admiration in their eyes. I'm like hearing the, you know, gentleness and the compassion in their voice. And I am like, oh my gosh, I want these two to be together, you know? But that is just what it is. First off, I thought you guys were married. I didn't know that you guys were only dating, if that's what you want to call it. I just want to know from a female perspective, most females have a time frame in their mind about if we've been dating, you know, three years, four years, he better put a ring on it or I'm going to call it quits. Like, I want to know your thought process and how you were just trucking along in the relationship and that never came up. Or did it come up? Yes, it did come up, Erin, actually. And it's, I, I don't know if I'm different, if I'm weird. Well, yes, I am. I never actually desired to get married. And at one point in the relationship, probably like three years in, Brendan actually said to me, hey, honey, if you want to get married, I would do that for you. And I laughed <gasps> and went, that's the, that's the proposal. <laughs> But I went, I'm fine. I'm good. I've never actually been one of those females who desired to have the big wedding day, etc. We created so much together, though, as you probably have spoken about. So like you said, it's like by common law, after one year in Australia, you're considered de facto and every single regulation that is in place as if you were married is still in place. So we created investments together, real estate, a lot of things. So well, when we were buying the house, I started freaking out because I was like, oh my God, that means I have to commit to him. That means, that means, that means, that means. Like that's what I do. And he looked at me and he went, we could just look at this as a business deal. And he went, we can sell it. And I was like, okay, that I can handle. Because <laughs> I was like, what, are we buying rocking chairs all of a sudden now? And they're on the, it's so interesting to see how you make a choice mean something rather than it's just a choice and you can change it at any time. Mm-hmm. Did he also tell you the part about when we actually bought the house? And then he turned around to me and said, oh, by the way, I have a lot of debt and I have a lot of debt with the uh, Australian tax department. And I went, like, how much? And it was a very, very substantial amount. And I went, isn't that something you tell someone before you buy a house with them? And he went, yeah, I didn't really think about it, but I guess I should have. So we both oh my God. together as well. Wow. Okay. So like, okay. At what point in your relationship did you buy this home together? It was how many years in? I'm going to guess probably like three, four years. Three, four years in. Okay. And you had never had a discussion with him about finances? No, we had a discussion about finances in the sense of like how we were living now. It was like, like, yeah. But never like, never like, what's your debt? Do you have any student loans? (laughs) I mean, he, I mean, one of the books that I wrote is called Getting Out of Debt Joyfully. So he knew all about that. But he literally was one of those people that I've worked with millions of them that has that had that point of view that if you don't talk about it or you put the, the bills in the drawer, then they will go away. So ah, he really thought mm-hmm. that it was going to go away. And it was to do a lot with his, you know, past relationship and, and the taxes, et cetera, and all of that. So so no, we did talk about finances a lot, actually. We were very present with finances with each other. He just, he literally just forgot, like, and then went, oh, hang on a second. They're asking me for this money now. Like, 
I think I can tell you. And I was like, okay. (laughs) You're like, thanks. And then at that point, it didn't impact your relationship in a negative way. Like, I feel like you guys are very good at digesting information and then communicating back with one another, but not taking like a defensive or, you know, um, like agitated approach at all. Like, I I don't know who taught you guys how to communicate, but kudos to them because I'm just thinking about silly situations in, in relationships I've had that can blow up over something way less than like owing the government money or buying a house together. I know, Erin, look, I, I this is, I, I might be crazy, but this is actually my hopes and dreams that people actually get that there's a different way to be with that. I mean, I remember distinctly sitting on the steps because we've got a two-story house and he was on the couch and looking at him going, wow, okay. And then I started laughing because the thing is, neither of us ever spoke to each other with this place of trying to play a game or trying to hide Mm -hmm. or trying to be mean or trying to be vindictive or anything. It was always like, oh, hang on a second. I think I should tell you this. And so it wasn't done with this expectation of, of anything. It was like, Hey, how are we going to deal with this? So I, I think I remember laughing, just going, oh, that is hilarious. It's like, I've written a book called getting out of debt joyfully. You're so in debt and we've just bought a house together and we didn't, you didn't tell me. So we actually worked together on, on how we would approach that and, and get out of debt. But you know what, you've got to look at everything with this lightness. And I cannot stress enough, the games that you play never, ever, 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 ever create something greater. They only ever create something less. So if you're truly willing to be that brutally honest and go, Hey, this is where I'm at. It's Mm -hmm. like, with no judgment then it gives the other person the place to go, okay, cool. So, you know, and if they have no judgment, that's when you can keep on creating and creating and creating. And can I say, we wouldn't have been together that long if it wasn't for Gary Douglas, the founder of Access Consciousness. He's the one that gave us so many tools that helped us and and created our relationship. And even helped us end the relationship too. (laughs) Really? I know. Oh my gosh. Your relationship is just so fascinating. Were you living together? Living together in Australia. Yep. In Australia. Okay. You guys may have like different, I mean, you know, we have wonky rules over here. And I don't, like I said, I don't even know if that's actually a real rule. If you live with somebody for a certain amount of time, it's like common law. Is that, is that pretty a... Much, pretty much the same in Australia. If you live together for more than two years or something, I think, then it's, you're pretty much considered married. Anyway. Married. Okay. So you guys are in a relationship and it's progressing. And then you get this idea to write this book. Mm-hmm. And then during writing this book, like, I mean, how did that even come about? I mean, I'm thinking you, you must have had good communication. <laughs> Unless yeah, you're like, we, we had, a, we had, and still have a phenomenal relationship. Like we're best friends now. We talk on the phone every day, but it's like we facilitate classes around the world on different things for a company called Access Consciousness. And everybody would say to us, can you please do something on relationships? How did you guys create a relationship like this? Like, I mean, we didn't have a fight in eight years. We didn't no fight way. once. I don't no believe way. you. I, I don't believe me either, but I'm telling you the truth. You never left the seat up? You never left the seat up? Yeah, but she wouldn't yell at me. She w- oh. She'd put it down. <laughs> well, maybe she was <laughs> resenting you for it. No, we didn't do that. We we had a different relationship where we actually had all these different elements in it that we talk about in the book. But it's like people wanted us to talk about it, so we did. We wrote the uh-huh. book, and 
it's been it's just been amazing to get all the feedback and from oh my god so is your book written and forgive me because i haven't read it but it is sitting in my amazon cart right now is it based upon your experience like your experience together or kind of how you want to see relationships or think that they should unfold based on our experience together but also based on previous relationships and i mean because both of us got into that relationship we'd come out of abusive relationships like i had a really bad track record so did she i also didn't have the most fun childhood neither did she so it's like you know we talk about all of these different things and the way that we bought the the way that those elements affect our relationships because for a lot of us we grow up in an abusive household we get into an abusive relationship and we just Mm -hmm. we follow suit with what our parents chose or what other people chose so we talk about that and how we how we got out of it how we changed it and how we broke the cycle. Right. Oh my gosh. So there's so many questions here. So is, so whose decision is it to call things off? Mine. It's yours. Okay. And mm-hmm. tell me what was in your head. <laughs> well, me. we just got, well, apparently I'd just gotten to the point and both of us really, like we laugh about it now because we both realized it was over for both of us. But we'd gotten to a point where we just start, we'd stop creating it we'd stop creating the relationship and we were kind of maintaining it and it gotten into that kind of boring stage where okay. we'd gotten a little normal. Two people as different as both of both her and I are, we'd gotten a little too normal for our own liking. So like I said, I mean, now we have a, we're way closer now than we were in relationship. We have this friendship that's just, just really different. And when you date now, do do women kind of look at that relationship since you're still so close to her? And are they jealous or worried in any way that you might like rekindle that flame? Uh, well, I'd say that stuff comes up, but it's but it's also, I mean, I'm really open about it. Neither of us are sneaking around doing anything. It's look, we're friends and this is the way it is. And see, it's like most people would hear this too. And it's like you would go, that's impossible. Like 99% of the people that would hear a story like this would go, bullshit, that's impossible. <laughs> There's no way you're, you're like that. It, there is, but it's like, but we have so much stuff in the way. Like we have all of these, these things that we've just decided are, like when you get out of a relationship, you should fight. You should fight in your relationship and you, you should put the toilet seat down or she's going to hate you and you should cook three nights a week and you should make more money because you're a man and then you should have sex for this amount of time and you should not have sex for this amount of time. And you should, and it's like, ah, we just, <laughs> exactly. you just want to go crazy because you're like, so I have to get relationship right. I have to get breakup right in order to have a relationship, in order to get out of a relationship. And we go nuts. Like I pretty much just explained the energy of relationship. So there is a different way, but we have to, we, we have to be willing to ask for it and also be willing to do what it takes to change those things in the past mm. that we're using to create our future. Oh, so walk me through some of that because I will tell you, so I've been single for a very long time <laughs> and not by choice, no. <laughs> But here's the deal. I think about this sometimes. It's like I'm jumping through all these hoops and and going through that mental exercise you just did with an actual relationship. I'm not 
even to the relationship yet, right? I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to get to date number two. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Do I do dating apps? Do I swipe? Do I participate in this back and forth exchange? If I told you, or if I got a dollar for every time somebody said, Aaron, how's your day? I mean, I'd be a freaking rich woman. But I mean, I might not get back to a guy who asked me that at 8am till, you know, 10pm that night. And by then my mood's gone up and down and all around. And it's like, oh, and then Mm -hmm. I'm writing him back and then I'm asking him how he's doing. Like, it's so complicated. But I have it a feeling you're so going to com- tell me it's not. <laughs> well, no, we make it that way, though. It's like, you know, and we, it's like, well, what's the right thing to say? What's the right thing to do? How's the right way to look? How's the right way to smell? What should I eat? What should, it's like, once again, you just, it's too much work. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of us, when something is presented to you, and it can be easy, you don't know how to get to the ease of it but you also know the work you're going to have to put in to get there. You just, you kind of just give up. You just go, "Eh, too much work. Mm -hmm. But see the different place to do it from is the place where if you could just show up and be you, like if relationship was based on gratitude, where it's like, I had gratitude for you, you have gratitude for me. We don't have expectations or judgments of each other because you can't have that with gratitude. So Mm -hmm. you don't call me for, three days i'm not going why didn't you call why didn't you not call me for three days why didn't you call me what you know and and vice versa we have this place of allowance for each other so i can be me you can be you how much easier is that yeah but how do you get to that part well that's a really good question is you've got to be willing to you've got to be willing to demand it of yourself but also like I said, it's like a lot of us don't want to give up on the fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. Well, we see it every day. We see it on The Bachelor. We yeah. see it on all these different shows. I mean, I just watched this. I don't know if you saw it. There was a new show that came out on Fox, and it was called Labor of Love. Did you watch that uh-huh. by chance? No. no. Oh, my gosh. So, so like, we're taking, like, TV romance to a whole new level. But, like, for me and my audience, you know, it was a girl who was on The Bachelor So she didn't get Uh chosen, but she was a little bit older. She's 41, right? And not only would the guy at the very end be the guy that ends up with her, but he also was signing up to basically be the father of her children. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is great. How do I get cast on the show? But, you know, like, but we watch it and then we see these dates and we see the romance and we see, you know, them pursuing. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, these guys are doing very sweet gestures and you're watching their commentary about how they want to be with this woman. And I'm like, that doesn't really exist. I can't tell you the last time a guy did something that was like over the top, aside of saying like, let's meet here and maybe picked up the tab. Yeah. Is romance gone? It's like, I'm a romantic of magnitude. But also it's like, see, what, what a lot of us do with romance is we, once again, we've got this fantasized reality of what it is. So we create an image of what romance is rather than what if romance was the actual willingness to get to see the beauty in somebody else, to actually be in question with them and see what's true for them. That's my idea of romance, when I can be with somebody and be asking them questions and actually see what's different about not what I've decided they should be. Mm-hmm. And now a lot of people would listen to this and go, oh, because that call, that it gets your number because we've all done it. And I, mm-hmm. I, 
I have done this dynamically throughout my life and dating history is it's like, I'll go, oh, the perfect woman exists like this. And I come up with these, this image in my head. And then if that person doesn't match that image, we go into judgment. When we go into judgment of that person, that's when we create a separation between us and us. And we create a separation between us and them. We've just lost the relationship. Yeah. We've lost that closeness and that romance and that fun and that joy where two people get to be together. That's just gone out the window based on that fit our image. Mm -hmm. So what do you suggest for somebody who's back in the dating world or maybe like what were the steps that you took after you broke up and how did you realize like, I'm ready to put myself back out there and then putting myself back out there looks like this, you know, like, because you obviously had this, you know, this change in thought process, right? And there was also oh, a I'm reason. I'm still a nut job. Don't get Are me you? wrong. I'm, <laughs> I'm not the, I'm not, it's like, it's like I've been quoted to, in media and stuff. They call me, they go the relationship expert. And I go, I wrote a book. I'm no expert. (laughs) (laughs) Like, don't quote me on being a relationship expert. Okay, I'm still, (laughs) I still have my crazy moments. But what I would say to that is, we have to, we have to be in question. Okay, Mm -hmm. because as soon as we, as soon as we come to decision, this is the perfect person for me. This is the perfect relationship. They're going to put the toilet seat down. They're going to decision, decision, decision. We've already concluded the future with that person. So Mm -hmm. nothing outside of those decisions can show up in our lives. And that's why for a lot of us, and we've probably all been down this road, is when we come to those decisions with relationship, when we get in one that that person can't really fulfill that future that we've laid out in front of them, our lives stop. Mm -hmm. Our lives slow down and then we get frustrated with the relationship, we get frustrated with us. Before you get to that, is being the question, okay, will this person contribute to my life? Mm-hmm. Yes, no. No, I get kind of that. Because, see, the other thing is, is we know. We all know because we've all done that thing of going home with somebody or hooking up with somebody or getting in a relationship with somebody and getting that heavy feeling and going, oh, something doesn't feel right about this and it doesn't turn out. We've also all known when something was going to turn out and chose it. So that's the place where we have to trust ourselves and go, okay, is this going to work out? Is this going to contribute to my life? Are they going to be fun to play with? Will mm-hmm. I be happier in a relationship with them? Because my point of view is is if we're not more joyful in a relationship, and this doesn't mean that we're going to be joyful 24-7, okay? Relationships still have their ups and downs and they still have the things that we need to deal with and stuff like that but overall am I going to be more joyful with this person in my life am I going to create a greater life with them in it and if that's yes then then you know what what can you create together but if that's no is it seriously something you want to put that much work into at the start when you kind of already might know that it's not going to work out anyway Mm -hmm. so since you and Simone stayed together for eight years Mm-hmm. You know, at at one point, did you think there was that forever there? And do you believe in marriage? In because obviously, like for me, I think eight years is a long time to be with one person. And maybe it's my upbringing or the fantasy that I have in my head. But at a certain point in time, I'm going to have an expectation, which maybe I shouldn't, but that 
we would take the next step together yeah. to get to get married. Yeah. Well, okay. So the well, two things with that is no, we didn't have this forever after thing, which I was grateful for because the long term re- relationship I was in before that, because I have a fifteen year old son, also okay. to another person, and she was like, "I can't wait till we get rocking chairs and grow old." And I remember when she'd say that, it was like I just I felt like just this weight, like oh my god, my whole life with this person. So with Simone and I, we didn't do that. We we looked at it all the time. Went, okay, is this still working for us? We went, yeah, I'm still more joyful with you in my life. Like I I like creating with you. I like being with you, living with you. So we went, okay, let's keep going. But I was actually talking to a good friend of mine about. I was I was looking at the whole marriage thing probably I don't know, like a while back, and and he said, okay, so what if marriage wasn't a forever thing? What if you got married for five years and then in five years' time, the, the marriage is over in five years. In five years' time, if you choose to, you get remarried so that it's a five-year commitment because for a lot of us, five years, when we get to the end of five years, we go, oh, I still adore you. You're wonderful. Let's do it again. Let's yeah. go another five years. But when we do it for life, we go, oh, really? Like we stop creating. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's on both sides, male and female? Oh, well, I think it depends on the person. I don't okay. think it's necessarily a male-female thing. It's like, you know, and it's, once again, it's it, it really is who you're in relationship with because our point of view about it creates our reality. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you have that point of view that, okay, I can do five years, easy, let's do five years and that, but you're in relationship with somebody who is committed to marriage for the rest of your life, then that's probably not going to work. Right. Because relationship, it also has to be a two-way street. Yeah. I'm like thinking to myself, like, this is like leasing a car, right? This You lease the car, you drive the car for a few years, then at a certain point in time, you either go, I'm in love with this car and I want to purchase it now and keep it until the wheels fall off. Or you're like, no, I want to trade it back in for a new model. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, well, when Simone and I, when we first bought, we, because we have a lot of property together and stuff as well. It's like when we bought our first house together, she was just, she was stressed out and she was having a moment. I said, Hey, what's going on? And she said, well, she was just freaked out that we bought a house together. And I said, Hey, it's a house. We yeah. can sell it tomorrow if you want. You know, <laughs> but what we did is we we set our relationship up more as a business deal also. And that worked because it's like with that in place, there was always this creative element to it. What a lot of us do with creating shit in our lives and creating problems in our lives is we run out of things to do. We run mm-hmm. out of things to create, so we put our energy into creating problems. When you're creative with somebody else, it's like you're looking to create something different in the future. You're willing to create a greater life. You don't have to create the problems. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I like that. So I am divorced. I was married for three years. We were we were together a total of seven. And I'm kind of, as you're saying these things, I'm thinking how oftentimes in marriage and in long-term relationships, things can get a little bit monotonous. You know, you you have a routine, you stick very strictly to the routine, and you kind of lose that 
feeling or or that energy that you applied when you first met the person and you had the butterflies and you had, um, you know, just that excitement to be spending time with a person. And then it becomes kind of like a norm and you lose that spark. So do you believe in, in spark? Do you believe in that type of aspect? And then how important also do you believe that the physical side of the relationship is? Because you hear a lot of times, I I mean, at least me hearing from a male perspective, like, ah, the second I got married, we quit having sex. So I'd love to hear the male perspective on that. Well, it's (laughs) like, well, male. I mean, for me, yeah, it is a big part. For me, it is a big part of the relationship. It also becomes this expectation. Well, now we're together, we should have sex this often and we should be doing this it's like for me i'm always going to put in the effort also i'm also it's it's got to be fun it's got to be different all the time because for most of us it's like we're good for a few months and then we go up bored Mm -hmm. that boredom is only there because we've stopped creating something Mm -hmm. we've stopped putting our creative energy into it and we've just started maintaining it so it's the same with with everything, it's like if you get bored, go to the question of, okay, so what what would be something different, something fun that we could do today to be to have that spark again, to have that fun? Because I don't believe that it leaves. I believe that we choose to stop choosing it. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. I- elaborate on that. You think it's a conscious decision? Yeah. Oh, really? Everything that shows up in our lives is somewhere based on a choice that we've made. So if you're getting bored, it's like, okay, so what am I choosing here? Mm-hmm. Not there's something wrong or there's something that we have to fix, but okay, what's a different choice I could make? So that you know you're always the creator of your life. You're always the creator of your relationship. You can always make a different choice and it, it can be a whole lot more fun. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So you've talked a lot about not having expectations and kind of leading with gratitude. And because you do that, then there's no imposed judgment. So is that like, you know, having that mindset? I don't, I don't feel like everybody kind of has that innate within them. It's, it's maybe a learned concept or it's something that you kind of have to check yourself on. Yeah. So how do you get there? One of the things we talk about in the book is the five elements of intimacy, which is honor, trust, vulnerability, gratitude, and allowance. So I would, it's like if you put them all into a question, say with gratitude, for example, if you woke up every day and went, okay, so what am I grateful for about me today? What am I grateful for about my life today? What am I grateful for about my relationship today? What am I grateful for about this person in my life today? Then you allow more of what you're grateful for to show up. What a lot of us have been done is we've been taught to judge. So we get up and we go, I hate my life. I hate my relationship. I don't have enough money. My kids are annoying. My job sucks. And nothing changes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I would say it's like if you have that gratitude, it takes you out of that place of, of judgment. Right. Right. So I do practice gratitudes on, you know, a daily basis. I wake up, that's how I start my morning. I get my cup of coffee and then I do my five gratitudes. Now they aren't necessarily 
relationship based though. And maybe I should add that to it. So I'm also a firm believer in manifestation and kind of putting your intentions out there and then drawing them back to you. And so a couple of things that you said when we were talking about expectations. So in manifestation, you can kind of give your wish list to the universe and kind of hope that it comes back. But I often get into conversations with other girlfriends or even listeners of the show about Mm -hmm. you can't be too specific with what I mean, I guess we want to be specific, right? Because we want the universe to deliver us a man who's six foot or above or whatever. That's superficial. But you know what I mean? Um, I'm just giving you an example here. But if you don't have. If you're trying not to have an expectation, do you see what I'm saying? then when something does come to you, how do you deal with that? Like how, I guess, can I have that intention? Am I going about it the right way? Or does that kind of have to get debunked to kind of follow along with this process? I would say a couple of things is it's like, so manifestation is how something shows up. What I look at is I look at from the place of actualization how do I actually actualize this into existence? So if I'm asking for something, like it's fine to be specific, but also not to the point where you won't allow you to self, not to the point where you've defined how something should show up. And this is what we do a lot with relationship. It's like when, when Simone got into a relationship with me, if she would have asked for a successful man with no baggage and somebody who has money and somebody who has their shit together, she would not have found me because I was 30 years old. I had a five-year-old kid. I had a dog. I was living at home with my mother. I was $250,000 in debt. I was drinking too much. I was smoking too much. And I snored a lot. Man, not things you would put on your list. She asked for somebody to show up in her life that would be kind and caring. And that was me. And now, you know, it's it's a whole different story. Like I've created a different life and so is she. But see, that's the place where we trip ourselves up with specifics. Okay, so on the subject of, of sex, from a male perspective, if you have sex when you first meet the woman on your first date, whatever, does that change the direction of where that relationship goes in your head? Like, do you think then she goes into a category of this can't, evolved to something else it's just strictly sex or walk me through that from a I'd male say, i'd <laughs> say once once again it's like for me no but for a lot of people they would go to that place of it, it always means something it's looking to go okay if if it's if it's going to be fun if it works for you and it works for them go for it like like i said like what if we didn't have to have all this crazy stuff all of this judgment trying to figure it out trying to get it right and it's it's like I would say to people, just start being in question with it. Start start having a look at what you know about relationship, what you know about sex. Because a lot of us, it's like, I mean, one of the things I laugh at is I, I go when talking with people because I go, okay, I know for me, I learn about finances from somebody who had no idea about finances, money from somebody who, I mean, relationship from somebody who had no idea about relationship, sex from people who wouldn't even talk about it. So we learn all of these things in our lives of people who don't really match our reality with what we'd like to create. 
So we've got to get to, okay, so what would I like to create? Like truly, if I had no projections and expectations and I had none of these past reference points about what I'd like to create as sex or what I'd like to create as relationship, what would I truly like to create? What would be really fun for me? And that could be something so wild. There's 8 billion people on this planet. Once you get clear on what it is you truly desire, that might be five lovers around the world. That could be somebody who's going to be with you every day. That could be whatever's true for you. Once you get to what's true for you, then you actually have something to ask for. Mm -hmm. Then you can go, okay, universe, now here's what I truly desire. Will you help? Will you contribute to this being reality in my life? Right. That's how I, that's how I, well, what I do with everything is like once I know I'm true with me, then the universe just contributes, just goes, oh, yeah, of course, here you go. Right, right. I mean, yeah, the universe is crazy how it will deliver and show up. And that's why I get frustrated because I'm like in so many other areas of my life, the universe has shown up and given me more than I could have ever asked for. In relationships, that's where I, I'm doing something wrong. I'm doing well, I would wrong. say start with that and it's like start looking at, okay, what do I truly desire with this? Because the universe will support us when we support ourselves. Mm. Oh, I honest love with that. Us, yeah, I love It'll that. be there for us and we'll contribute to us. But we we have to start asking for what's true with true for us. But that, in order to get to that, you have to be willing to be as different as you are also. And for a lot of us, what we've done our whole lives is we're, we're the round peg trying to fit in the square hole, trying to create our lives as normal while knowing that we're not, mm-hmm. while knowing there's something different about us, which is the thing that we truly love about ourselves. The thing that we truly care about in us is the difference. The thing that brings us so much joy is when we're willing to have that difference. That's why for a lot of us out in nature, we'll just be like, oh, I can just be as different as I want. We have that sense of peace in our life. But if we had that, if we were willing to be that in our lives, what we could create and what we could have show up would be a whole different, be a whole different reality. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Okay. So I hear you have three things that will destroy any relationship and I'm dying to know what those three things are. Uh, well, I've got like 8 billion things that go on in my head all the time. So, <laughs> but I would say, um, Number one is getting into a relationship is having those expectations in place from the start because one straight away that's going to create the judgment and the separation in the relationship. I would say the the next thing we do is we go into maintenance. We go, okay, well, now we've had our two months of fun. Now we're in relationship. We're living together. Let's maintain it so we can keep it, not let's create it so we can enjoy ourselves every day. Mm-hmm. That would be, I would say, the next one. And then the third one is it's like not having that honor, trust, vulnerability, gratitude and allowance for the other person, like not having that caring for them and not having that caring for yourselves. And and that's why we do this after 12 months or two years and, we, and you start arguing and you start fighting. It's like that's no fun, but it's a choice we make. We have to be willing to make different choices. We want to create a different relationship. Mm -hmm. Simone, can I ask you what your thoughts are on dating in the U.S. versus dating in Australia? I'm just curious if if there's similarities or differences. Okay, so the one thing I noticed is in Australia, we very much grow up with having mates. 
and we grow up and we have a lot, like I had a lot of male friends and they were your mates. And it's like, okay, rarely, occasionally do you end up, you know, sleeping with them? Sure. Maybe as you get older, but you grow up with mates. And what I noticed in America, it was more, you had the girlfriends, you had the boyfriends. And when girl and boy met, it was more dating than mates. Like that's the one thing I noticed. Like it was sort of like, if I was trying to, if I was mates with a guy, everyone would be like, oh, the next move is, and I was like, no, he's just my mate. Like, he's just my friend. Like, so that's the one thing I noticed. Yeah. Interesting. Because I think they're in America were very polite and would be very, you know, like, can I get you a drink? Can I get you this? Whereas, I don't know, I think Australian men are a little bit more rusty. Oh, okay. Who do you think is more of a gentleman, like takes his time to ease into the relationship or the situation? Neither American or Australian. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, so who else have we had experience with, girl? <laughs> I more European would be. Oh, okay. Yeah. What am I? I it's, I'm going to say a gentleman is, there's gentlemen all over the world, and it's, that is something that, it, that a man chooses to be if he chooses it. And I think there's a level of, of like being really secure in themselves and confident in themselves. And that's what makes a great gentleman is and brings out the lady in a female. And it's, it's rarer than I would like it to be. And if, if any of the listeners out there are men, can I say, even though women's lib came along and did this whole movement of, I can take care of myself, I don't need a man, blah, blah, blah. The majority of women love being treated like a lady. It's like, I am totally capable. There was a friend of mine, I was on a plane with him and I was trying to get my bag out from up the top and he looked at me and he said, Simone, you can ask me for help. And I was like, yeah, but I can get it. And he said, do you realize if you ask me for help, I will move mountains for you? And that moment I went, wow, where have I not been willing to receive from a man? And I mean, I used to travel so much before COVID, being getting your bags off the, um, you know, the carousel thing at the airport. If you ask, there's so many men who are just willing to help. They like to be needed like that. And Mm -hmm. that actually allows them to be a gentleman as well, rather than women walking around with this point of view of like, no, I've got this. Don't you do this for me. I'm okay. It's like, no, what if we, what if that's what, that's part of the contribution that we could be to each other is the willingness to receive from each other in that way. And that is a really different, different reality. Yeah. I wonder where that kind of got misconstrued because as you're saying that, I think about myself, I think about my friend circle and the premise of this podcast has been, you know, I, I mean, I literally was sitting around a table one day with all my girlfriends thinking to myself, God, they're so beautiful and intelligent and savvy and smart. And they all have these different skill sets and unique talents but the one common denominator that we all share is we're all single. And I thought I thought that's so weird. And oftentimes people who know me very well, like my gay husband, I have a gay husband, Aaron, and he always says, well, Aaron, like you do it all on your own. You're you're independent. Like you don't really need somebody. And that's true. But you hit the nail on the head. I may not need somebody, but I love I love that male presence, that almost like alpha energy. Yeah. Um, if you know, I, it's so nice, like in, in silly things that I think are a lost art, like opening, you know, the door for, for me or something, you know what I mean? Just something so They're silly. Though. I love that. I love when a man like pulls out the chair when you're about to sit down or 
I mean, I just went out with a friend the other day in Brisbane and we, you know, had all this food and we were sharing the food, but he served my, he was like, can I serve you? And I was like, of course, like, it's lovely. Like them pouring you your wine. I love that. And I'm totally capable. I don't need a man's money. I don't need a man for all of these things, but God, waking up in the morning and having a body next to you that that is a contribution just because they are who they are and that's who you are and and what you can contribute to each other is something that is like a lost art of receiving. And what if we started to receive more? And men actually like to be needed. They don't like a needy woman, but they like to be needed. It's like, I also like to be needed by a man, but I don't right. like a needy man. And there's a fine line. But mm-hmm. man is just like so honoring of you and and Brendan and I had that and we still have that. Like, I mean, even when we broke up, I remember we had this um, huge event in Costa Rica. So there was a lot of people there and a lot of people knew that we were together, knew that we weren't because we do these seminars, et cetera. So we're sort of on stage. That's They were like in their heads, you could hear them going, oh my God, if Simone and Brendan can't make it, no one can. So we didn't really have the space breaking up. We I felt like we did it on media and in front of a whole lot of people. And one of the things that we had is if either of us were uncomfortable, we may, we'd text each other no matter where we are. So that meant, can we go outside and chat? Cause something's mm. up. So, mm-hmm. uh, there's so many people around as well. So we were laughing saying we have this safety word. It's like mango quickly, anything with <laughs> mango, mango smoothie. It's like, all right, I got this. Let's chat. And yeah. that energy with each other, which is total honoring of, of us as a man, as a woman, and what's showing up. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. there was a zillion girls as well when I when we broke up that went, oh, now Brendan can be mine. And it's like, well, where is he in the computation? You're going, oh, now I can be with him. Have you asked what he desires? Right. And quite often not what women would look at is what does the man do? Now, where do you think that stemmed from? Do you think that stemmed from them witnessing your relationship and how he treated you and how all these things that you kind of just spoke about, like he he did and did them willingly and kind of, you know, without anybody telling him. And, and so that kind of like ideal fantasy that we kind of grow up when we're watching like these Disney movies and stuff and we see the princess and the princess sweeping her off her feet and all of that. Do you think that... Like, why would, I find that confusing. Like he gets out of a relationship and they swoop right in. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head, fantasy. Because the one, I mean, I remember there was a friend of ours who at one stage said, oh, Brennan, I wish you had a brother. And Brennan went, you would hate to be in a relationship with me. He was like, I don't like, um, you know, public displays of affection. I don't like cuddling. Like the big joke was he was like, all right, I'll cuddle if it leads to something. So <laughs> he wasn't someone who cuddled or held hands or, I mean, he snores really, well, not so much now, but snored really loudly. It's like, you know, there's all these different things that this girl, this friend of ours who said, I wish you had a brother, wasn't willing to look at. She was seeing the energy that myself and Brendan had but we were so in allowance of each other's idiosyncrasies and going, this is okay. I adore you, love you, etc." I didn't expect him to be something he wasn't. And he didn't expect me to be something that I wasn't. So therefore people picked up on the energy, but they weren't looking at what was really going on. Mm-hmm. And I think that people create the fantasy rather than, okay, what's the reality here? Yeah. So if if I wanted to try to change the way I approach a relationship or try to be more receiving and more open to providing that back in that communication, like 
how do you replicate that? Or how do you, you know, I'm sure that's part of your teaching and, and what you're trying to, to convey that this can be done. This can be kind of cookie, not cookie cutter. That's probably a poor choice of words, but essentially like anybody can do this. Anybody can create this type of relationship, correct? Yeah. And so a few things and great question, because I would say, first of all, have a look at your, at, at, for yourself. What if you decided you need a relationship for? Because if you've decided you need it to complete yourself or for money or for someone to look after you, et cetera, it's like, you know, if you get over that point of view and start to look at, okay, so what would it take for somebody to show up in my life that was a contribution? And also let a man be a man and don't expect a man to be your girlfriend. It's like men don't like to sit there and have these long, I mean, you said it right at the beginning, these long conversations about everything. They're way more private. So if you want to share, get a female and it's like, you know, do that. It's like share to your friend and don't expect, don't expect the man in your life to be your everything. It's like, be grateful for what he is contributing. But like I said, let him be a man. And it's like, and ask, it's like, what, what you can contribute to him. It's like, how much fun can we have today? Like I remember at one stage, um, we went jet skiing one day and we were, <laughs> we were driving back, Brendan and I, and I just looked at him and went, God, I like you. And it wasn't like, I love you. I was just like, I really like you. I really like hanging out with you. Like we just had this great day of jet skiing and it was like, this is fun. Yeah. Like put the fun in it. It's like, don't make it significant and don't conclude tomorrow. Enjoy today. Like ask, okay, what could we choose today that could create us to be happy? Don't conclude and don't, don't do that thing of going, oh, in five years time, we're going to be doing this 10 years, 15, 20 years. It's like, you don't know. I mean, right now too, the world is like so different and so changed. I mean, I was going to get a puppy this week and then I decided not to because I went, I can't really do that. I don't know where my life is going to be in six months time. When international travel opens up, I will travel again. It probably won't look like I before. And yet you don't know what your life is going to be like. So what if you took each day as it comes and don't live from this place of the expectation and projection of what tomorrow should deliver and enjoy the day and enjoy the person and don't, like I always say, if you, if you want to train someone, get a puppy, don't try and train a man and don't try and own him. A man or a woman is not here to be owned. And I see so many women try and own a man and vice versa, a man wants to own a woman. And it's like, no, what if we actually just liked each other and had fun? Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I want to go back to you talking about these post-it notes that you created and kind of like when you were working through things in self-reflecting. So I'm curious to know, because you never saw yourself getting married, do you also see yourself not having a family of your own, like children of your own? Yeah, I actually never decided to have kids either. I was to the two things that I grew up with, like, you know, late in my teens was I wanted to travel the world and I also wanted to have my own business. It's been mm -hmm. like business and traveling were two things that were very, yeah, very important to me. So I actually never desired to have children. Now, here's the thing though Brendan showed up and he had, when I met Brendan, he had his son, Nash, who was five at the time. It was so cute. Oh, my goodness. Aww. The first time I met him and he drove up to my house and I said, you must be Nash because obviously I knew about him. And he looked at me and he went, how do you know my name? And he was so oh, cute. So cute. And, <laughs> but at one stage, like we were, because Brendan and sort of, the way he moved in with me as well, we came back from this trip from New Zealand and he looked at me and he went, honey, he said, I need somewhere to put my clothes. And I went, are you moving in? And he went, I think so. 
okay and that's how we moved on but then so I only had a two-bedroom place and one bedroom I was using as an office so Nashi would come sleep there a lot and at one stage I remember Brennan coming into the bedroom and I was lying on the bed crying and he was like what's up and I went I don't know if I can do this I said I didn't I wasn't planning on having a five-year-old and all of a sudden I'm living in this two-bedroom house with a man and a five-year-old it's like it's a really different life my life sorted it was like and you I, had it planned out, yeah. Yeah, and and it was like hooking up with Brendan and having sex with him. That was easy. That's doable. But now it's like, hang on a second. I've got this ready-made family, and he already, and he had a dog too, but we couldn't have the dog there. That was that's phase two. And Brendan looked at me and he said, "Well, he said we can move out." And he said, "We don't have to break up." And he said, "But I sort of come with a five-year-old." And I went, "I know, I get that." So <laughs> I, went, I went, "So I need to look at this and." It was so funny. Brennan went north to work for a little bit and we had this event, like a little luncheon sort of thing. And Nash was with his grandma, Brennan's mum. And I showed up and Nash just walked in and just ran to me and hugged me. And he was running around the yard and he fell over, grazed his knee, started crying, didn't go to grandma, came straight to me and was like in my arms and crying. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, you are brilliant. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I looked at it and went, okay, I didn't expect this energy. And, and I, I don't actually want to exclude this. This is actually quite nice. So Nash created us like the next move in our relationship for sure. So I lived with Nash from five till 14. So, hmm. so when you, okay, so I'm, I'm, I want to get back to my other question, but when you broke up then, did you feel like you were kind of like breaking that, at, like that bond that you created with him up or how did you guys include him in that? discussion look over the years i had a lot of chats with nash because and i and i would say to him all the time look my relationship with you is our relationship it's like we get to create what that looks like because also with his mom and i was like i'm not trying to be your mom you Mm -hmm. can like what do you want me to be for you and we had that that chat probably every year or two years and because there was at times when he definitely wasn't getting on well with his mom and and he would look at me and go you're way more of a mom to me than then my mom and I'd be like, okay. So it was like, I can, I'll be what you want me to be. And when we split up, I also spoke to him and said, I, there's a room for you in this house. I will create this room for you. I will buy your gaming. I will do all that stuff that you like. And it's like, you can make it yours. And he didn't do anything. So I've had that conversation with him three times since. And I said, but I'm going to leave it up to you. You get to choose. Cause I'm not looking at forcing anything upon you, but I'm here. I've got your back. So he never actually chose to do that. And he ended up living, moved in back with his mum. And he's actually going to go live with his grandma, which is down the road. So, you know, I will get to see him and get to see him, et cetera. But I, I always looked at my relationship with Nash as its own separate relationship. That it wasn't based on Brendan. Nash was pretty upset. I mean, he had a, he had a great life with me and Brendan. Like he, he had it sorted. So he probably took it harder than what we expected. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's really difficult. I mean, you know, you kind of talked about every day asking yourself, like, do I want to be in this relationship? Am I happy in this relationship? Like, what can we do to make today fun? With that being said, oftentimes, and, and like I mentioned during COVID, you know, people are having these hard discussions and maybe they're realizing that the parental unit is not the best or the healthiest. And I would say I I know a handful of people who have stuck it out for the kids. 
And then they wait until their kids turn 18 and move out of the house or move on to college or whatever the case may be. And then they decide to address the elephant in the room. Um, You know, do you have any advice or thoughts for them to kind of deal with the today versus putting it off? Yeah, I would say don't put it off. I think that's actually being unkind to yourself, for starters, and dishonoring to you and the partner and the kids. I mean, I mean, it's not as though it's an odd thing anymore. And can I say, there's definitely something about having a kid week on, week off. You get to have you, they get to have so much as well. So if you're not choosing that, so much of the time it's usually based on judgment and the judgment of the decision that you're making. Here's a much bigger world. What if you actually were choosing for you and what works for you, your partner and the kids, you actually empower your kids to know that they have choice too. Whereas if they go, oh, I need to stay with this person, I need to be unhappy, et cetera. Like at one stage when we first were together, Nash, of course, wanted his mum and dad to live together. And Brendan sat down with him and spoke to him and said, okay, so, you know, look at how we were. He said, did, did mum and I argue a lot? And he was like, yeah, all the time. Like you were always yelling, you were always angry and blah, blah, blah. And he went, okay, so now look at the house that we live in with Simone. Is it different? And he would like, so he would ask him questions and get him to have a look at it. And he was like, yeah. And he was like, and, and he's like, you know, do you like Simone? He's like, yeah, I love Simone. So, so recognizing that, that, because he said, I could have stayed with your mom for you. And yet, like, do you have more of you now? And I think we go to that place of going, oh, if I stay, then everything would be greater. No, what if everything was greater? If you recognize the moment where two people have done what they were meant to do together and they move on. And I'm sorry, Erin, but that's exactly what's occurred with me, Brendan. So your reality TV show. I know, I'm damn sure it. <laughs> but we have gone, hey, we've done what we were meant to do together. Yeah. And now it's like, God, we are, we're stronger than ever before as friends, as work colleagues, etc. I mean, Brendan rang me this morning because there's been a few different things that we've been creating. Like we're opening up a shop today in just down the road called Antiques and Possibilities. And we're both business partners in it. And we own the house that I'm living in right now. And I've got like about a hundred thousand bees trying to set up hives in the side of the house. And there's been all these different things going on. So I'm calling him and he said to me this morning, he said, Hey, are we okay? Cause I noticed that there's a little crunch. And I was like, yeah. And I said, I think I was expecting you to help me more with some things. And, and I'm sorry, we spoke about it. And he said, you know what? Cause there's something that he would always do is when he's trying to find himself more, he'll create separation. He said, I've realized I've just done that with you in the past few days. So I'm sorry. And I don't want to do that. But you know what, for him to say that, and for me to say where I was functioning from, and then we go, okay, so let's change this. That level of vulnerability creates so much. And I see so many people not choosing vulnerability because they think it's weakness. No. What if we stop playing games? Games drive me friggin' crazy. Games drive me nuts too. I mean, not only vulnerability, but also self-awareness. I mean, I think you both are so self-aware. You know what I mean? I mean, that takes a lot for him to realize, oh, you know, I, I'm i feeling this way. It's causing my behavior to be X. I notice that. And then not only do I notice it, but I'm going to address it with myself and then who I displayed that behavior towards. I mean, that's yeah. huge. That's an yeah. art form. Which, yeah. which I absolutely love. And I'm I'm a person who does a lot of, um, you know, self-reflection. I do a lot of, I like to journal and write. 
And that's why I wanted to bring you back to the post-it notes only because I'm wondering, you not wanting to be married and you thinking to yourself like, I'm fine. I, I want to travel the world. I want to be a, a boss babe and run my own business and all this. Like you never applied the pressure that sometimes I think you can, if you want to be a mother or you, you know, you have this desire, this yearning for motherhood that you kind of um, start to put on yourself when you hit a certain age, right? Because you know, um, you know, your biological clock is ticking or whatever the case may be. And it's like, maybe that added pressure kinks things and and maybe it adjusts or changes what you write on the post-it notes. <laughs> I like the way you ask that because you've got this like... <laughs> I, maybe I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> and I'm asking for a friend. No. <laughs> exactly. That caller we just took yeah. some out. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, here's the thing too. One question I would ask is who does it belong to? Okay. When you have these thoughts, and because 99% of our thoughts, feelings, and emotions aren't ours, we buy into, you know, this commonality of thoughts, feelings, and emotions around us. So the first question I would ask is, who does this belong to? I mean, even recently, like I said, I was going to get a puppy this week. I went out and met the puppy, fell in love with the puppy, paid a deposit for the puppy, Dalmatian puppy. And then I came home and went, oh, what am I doing? And I was like, my life is so busy. And when travel opens up, I'll be traveling. And then and I rang the woman last night crying, going, I can't take this puppy, even though I love her. But here's the thing. Who does it belong to? How many other people are stuck at home at the moment? I live across the road from the beach. We go for a walk on the beach. There's a zillion dogs there. How many people are going, I want a puppy? You know, how many people are going, oh, I want to have a kid. I want to get married. I want to do this rather than what I would ask, I mean, you say you did with the self-reflection, is take a moment and ask, who does this belong to? And if it lightens up, it's not yours. So if your world gets lighter and go, okay, is this actually truly mine? Do I actually truly li- would like a kid? And ask a question, where will my life be in five years' time if I have children? Where will my life be in 20 years' time if I have children? And it's like, what will it create? And again, the question about, like, same question that I had with the relationship, what have I decided I need kids for. And I'm, I'm not an advocate against kids. It's just, I, I would like everyone to know that they have choice and whatever you choose is not right and it's not wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. years ago, I went to a seminar with Gary Douglas, the founder of Access Consciousness, and it was he was talking about relationships. For the first time ever, I walked out and went, oh, I'm not wrong for not desiring a relationship. Because my whole family and friends were like, projecting at me that, uh, I mean, I even heard my mother say at one stage, oh, she'll be happy when she finds the one. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I was like, I'm like the happiest person in our family. And she's decided, I'll be happy when I find the one. I'm like, I'm sorry, the one doesn't exist. It's like, Mm -hmm. we're not penguins. I don't think we're meant to mate for life. I think there's a lot of people that can come into your life that can be a major contribution and a hell of a lot of fun to hang out with. But you need to get really clear on what it is that works for you not what's working for your friends, what works for you. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's huge. I feel like mic drop. You know what I mean? Like that is huge advice. And and that is great. I don't, I don't even know where we go from there because I'm like, that is it. That is it right there.
Thanks for tuning in to your Such a Catch. If you want to read Simone and Brendan's book, Relationship, Are You Sure You Want One? Hop on over to my website, yoursuchacatch.com for details on how to get your hands on one. One day, you guys, I hope that I'm sending you to my website so you can get your hands on a copy of my book. Yes, writing a book has been on my bucket list for way too long. I need to make it a reality. (laughs) So stay tuned for that. It is going to happen. Mark my words. I have now given it to the universe. It is out there. All right, guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and don't forget to stalk me, follow me, DM me. Let me know your feedback on this episode at You're Such a Catch on all social media platforms. I love nothing more than hearing from you. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.